0: I'm ashamed to admit it now. I didn't believe it at first. Uh, I actually made assumptions about Mary's character and it's not that I had ever expected her to act in such a way, but when I found out that she was pregnant, uh, what else was I supposed to believe? And I, I remember being so torn about it, of what to do. I loved Mary. I wanted to be with her. My life's plans were centered on being with her, but after I found out that I must have thought about every possible solution, and, and I resolved that the most proper thing to do was to cancel the engagement. Um, I didn't want to bring shame on her or her family, so you know, I would do it quietly for her, but but I can no longer go through with my plans. But the Lord God had other plans, and, and we've heard the stories in the scriptures of how God has visited his people, of how uh, angelic beings have delivered messages from God, and when that angel came to me in my dream, and, and his first words to me were, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because her story is true. The story is true. The baby is from the Holy Spirit. And you will name him Jesus. His exact words to me were, Joseph, you will name him Jesus, for he will take away the sins of his people. When I woke up from that dream, I can remember just being in complete disbelief, not of Mary's story, but, this belief that God would choose us to fulfill his promises. And, and You know, I think that's the part that I still struggle with the most. Is who are we that God would choose us to work through? Yeah. There's still many people, when they hear our story, they think we're foolish. They don't believe us, and, and that's not easy. But, <laughs> Who am I to blame them? I, I think that in time, they will know that, oh, the relief of not having to lose Mary and, and a baby conceived of the Holy Spirit. It, this is something that Mary and I still talk about constantly. It must be every day we consider, what are we actually a part of right now? How is this going to unfold? Surely there's, there's never been anything in all of Israel such as this before No, God has shown his favor on us. What I thought was hardship and suffering was honor and blessing. Well, good morning, church.
1: Thank you, uh, Pastor Michael, for that awesome monologue from the character of Joseph, who we are are looking at this morning. I told the first service that uh, that is probably the most messy you will ever see Michael's hair. (laughs) And that was after us telling him three times to mess it up more. Uh, Anyways, so we're looking at Joseph in our series uh, through Advent, the excitement of anticipating the arrival of the birth of Christ. Um, And so you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter one, Verses 18 to 25 is going to be the main passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. So if you want to turn there, you can read along with us. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ happened this way. While his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband-to-be, was a righteous man, and because he did not want to disgrace her, he intended to divorce her privately. And when he had contemplated this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this happened so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord told him. He took his wife, but did not have marital relations with her until she gave birth to a son, whom he named Jesus. Mary and Joseph, probably two of the most Two out of the three most famous characters from the birth of Christ's story. So at this point in the story, they were engaged, but they had not yet come to live together as husband and wife. Now, in uh, Jewish culture, an engagement was like a lot more serious than our engagements are in our culture today. They would have legally been considered as married, even though they were in the engaged or betrothed um, time it was it was a serious commitment it was basically it was a done deal kind of a thing and so what would happen is they would become engaged and then the husband the man would go and he would prepare a place for his bride so whether that would be if he had to build a house or if he had to clean his house or if he had to add a room or whatever it might be is is he said okay i will come back for you i'm going to go and take care of some business first and so that could be, that, that timeline is, is varying. It could be a year, it could be months, uh, who knows. I mean, that's why we have stories in, in the Bible about hey, be ready, because he might come back anytime. you don't wanna know. But, anyway, so this is what Joseph, he had went to prepare the place to bring Mary home to be his wife. And that's when it says here that it was found. It was found out that Mary was pregnant. That word's kind of like, it was discovered. It like, you know, we don't know exactly how joseph found out or exactly what was told him but he finds out that she is pregnant now he's preparing a place for mary this is complete side note joseph in the position he was at the point is what jesus is doing right now which is so cool he has gone to prepare a place for us and he will come back and get us i mean there are so many cool things in scripture when you look at it in that way but that's side note back to joseph joseph is preparing this place and he gets this news now, Joseph, it tells us, right, in, right off the start, is that he was a righteous man. He was righteous. What does that mean? Well, I mean, last, last Sunday we looked at Simeon, and it said of him that he was also a righteous man. He was called righteous, just as Joseph was. And this is what Genesis 15, 5 and 6 says. This is Lord, he, the Lord. He was talking to Abraham. And he says this. He said, the Lord took him outside of his tent. Look up at the sky. Count the stars if you in need can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He believed and that was given to him as righteousness. So when we look at Joseph and we ask Kay, it says he was a righteous man, what does that mean? It means he believed. Now, he believed in God, but it's more than that. He believed God. Now there is a difference. Because James 2.19 says this, you believe that there is a God? Good, even the demons believe that. And tremble someone can believe in God or that there is a God but not actually believe God to believe what he says is true that he is who he said he is and he will do what he is gonna do that means to believe God to believe his word we call that faith believing not just believing in God but believing God taking him at his word faith. And Ephesians 2 says we are saved through grace, or saved by grace through faith. It is through faith. And so that faith or belief we see here is rewarded with righteousness. Not our righteousness, no, it's something that Christ purchased on our behalf. And I find it interesting if we look at um what abraham believed he's like count the stars god's like count the stars you can't count them i know you can't count them. he's like that's how many your offspring's going to be i mean abraham had no kids at this point he was old and his wife was old and yet it says what he believed he's like i believe you god that you will do what you said you're gonna do that's incredible what <laughs> that would probably seem impossible but yet he believed. Because what is impossible with man is not impossible with God. And we see the same here with Joseph. I mean, think think about this. A virgin having a baby. (laughs) Never happened before, never happened since. If, If you were a person in that time and someone told you that story, you'd kind of be like, hmm. I know how these things work, and I think something else happened here. And I think initially, like what did Joseph believe initially? I mean, because it tells us that he was a righteous man before he had this dream, before he had all the information, it says that he's a righteous man. So what does that mean? It means he believes God. He believes his word. So that would have been the law and the prophets of what, what he had. So Joseph believed the Bible, the Old Testament scriptures, and he loved them and he wanted to follow God and honor him. And so if, if you were Joseph and you love the Lord and you love his word and you believe what he said is true, and then the woman you're engaged to has found out to be pregnant, what would his response be? Lord, what does your word say I'm supposed to do in this situation? You know what the prescription was? Stoning. Stoning was the legal prescription for this act of sin because it would have been, it would have been seen that she committed adultery because they were, it was a binding agreement. It wasn't just, oh well, you can kind of make a decision and change that, it's like no, they were, they were considered legally even though they hadn't come together as husband and wife. And the legal requirement was stoning. And so you can see that Joseph would be torn as someone who believes God's word, and wants to honor God So, we don't know what Mary told Joseph. I mean, I think we like to think that, like, Mary came over to Joseph's house one day while he was amidst building her an awesome dining room or whatever it would be, and was like, Hey, uh, an angel appeared to me. I'm going to have a baby by the Holy Spirit. Got to name him Jesus. Ha ha! We don't have any record of that conversation. For all we know, it was one of Joseph's buddies or somebody else that told him. We, we don't know. All we know is that he found out. We don't know the circumstances of that. We don't know how much information was given to him. We don't know if Mary was like, honestly, it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit. But Joseph is torn, and we see him also as a merciful man. He considers it, right? He's thinking about it. He's considering these things. And he decides, you know what, I'm not wanting to put her to public shame. He's like, I'm gonna do this quietly. But as a righteous person, he was like, never heard of a virgin giving birth before? He's like, "It it seems like there was something that went on here, and he's like, ah. So I'm just gonna kinda divorce her quietly, try not to cause a big stir as much as possible. Because I think he truly did really care about Mary. And I think he would, Probably find it hard to believe her story, um, if he did, in fact, was told the whole story from her. But then an angel comes, and he has a dream. Can, can we just pause for a moment and appreciate the fact that an angel entered into Joseph's dream? Like, like inception style here, I'm like, I'm fascinated by dreams because I have a lot of dreams all the time. My wife and kids can attest to you that there's often mornings where the kids wake up and like, hey, Dad, did you have any dreams today or last, last night, I guess? And often they'll be like, weird. Like, yeah, I had a dream. I was on a waterfall, but it was all stairs and it was painful. It's like, okay, that's not a spiritual dream at all. That's most of my dreams. But there have been times where I have had a dream that I just knew. There was a weight, there was a heaviness to it that was like, this is from the Lord. And this is the kind of dream that, that Joseph has. Um, and he is told by the angel everything that he needs to know about the situation. And it's, and it's interesting that Joseph seems to get a lot of dreams, right? Like if you read through the whole like birth story account and everything, it's like Joseph is always getting a dream from the Lord. Like first, he has a dream, says take Mary to be your wife. Don't worry about it. Next, he gets a dream, hey, flee to Egypt. Then he gets another dream in Egypt, hey, come back from Egypt. Then he gets another dream and says, hey, don't settle here. Go settle over here in, in Nazareth. So I mean, like that's four times in like this short little story. I don't know if it happened more than that in his life. We don't, we don't know. But it seems that God spoke to Joseph through dreams quite a bit. And I find Joseph's response, I mean, we're going we're gonna to look at this a little bit later as well. But Joseph's response to each and every one of those dreams isn't like, hmm, let me contemplate this for a while and think about, is this really from the Lord or not? Or No, he just is like, oh, God told me to do this, and then he does it. He obeys right away. We're going to come back to that in a moment. So, like I said, we don't know how much information Joseph had up to this point about the whole situation, but the angel tells him everything he needs to know. The baby (laughs) that is growing in her is from the Holy Spirit. (laughs) She's a virgin, he will be the Messiah, save his people from their sin, your name him Jesus. And then he confirms it by bringing to mind for Joseph a prophecy from the Old Testament. I think this is wonderful. He says, this is the prophecy that is fulfilled. Look, the virgin will conceive and bear a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's like the angel opens up Joseph's eyes to see scripture, to understand the word of God. And as a huge confirmation, right? Like, if this is a guy who loves the law and the word of the Lord, you can imagine that He's probably come across this verse. And the angel's like, hey, remember this, this actually corroborates mary's story this is true this is something that you know you know confirms it within joseph and then tells him hey his name's going to be jesus which if i mean i just imagine there'd be a really cool moment between mary and joseph they if they didn't have a full conversation like if he kind of found out through the angel and i mean maybe there was some communication or whatnot but like they finally are married, moved in together, and she's like, hey, the angel told me that I'm supposed to name him Jesus. And he's like, what, no way, the angel told me I'm supposed to name him Jesus. Like, I mean, it was a cool moment. Who knows if that actually happened, but it would be more confirmation for the both of them to know, yes, this is from the Lord. This is what he wants. It's not conflicting stories. This is the same all the way through. I think it's beautiful. I wonder if Joseph, like, after the angel was like, hey, You know, the virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, you know, think about the scripture. I wonder if he started putting like other things together, right, where it says, from the line of David will a king rise, and he's like, oh, I'm from the line of David, interesting. You know, or in Bethlehem will the ruler be raised up from, he's like, oh, I'm from Bethlehem, I gotta go back to Bethlehem. Like I wonder if all these things just started clicking in his mind, just as more confirmation over and over again. But this is what I really wanna look at. This is, this is awesome, I mean, partly because it shows <laughs> my, my sinfulness and weak, weakness. But it says, when Joseph, Joseph awoke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord took him, told him. He took his wife, but did not have marital relations with her until she gave birth to a son, whom he named Jesus. It's like, he woke up and he did what he was told. He obeyed. He did, <laughs> He didn't wrestle with the Lord for a few days or a week or a month about, oh, do I really do this or do I not? I'm not sure. You know, like, I'm sure he thought, well, people are going to assume things. Because realistically, at, at, the, at the time that Joseph would have taken Mary home to be with him as his wife, she probably was three-ish months pregnant at the time. Because she went and stayed with her cousin Elizabeth, who was giving birth to John the Baptist, and Elizabeth was at six months pregnant, and then she stayed there till John the Baptist was born, which, complete other side note, I think it's cool that God arranged it for Mary to actually be at the birth of another baby, if she was going to have to go through that as well soon, that God's like, hey, <laughs> if you're a young girl, and you don't know what this process is like, here's a situation that I can set this up perfectly for you to know, I mean, just awesome how God can set things up. But she was probably three-ish months along when Joseph would take her home to be his wife. And I mean, and you start showing not long after three months, depending on, on who you are. So people would assume, I mean, Joseph would have thought these things and would have known these things. They would have started the rumor mill of gossip and talk. But Joseph just obeys. He's like, okay, we'll do it. I mean, we even see that with Mary. Like, If you were a young girl that was like, hey, you're gonna get pregnant, and it's by the Holy Spirit, you'd be like, what are people gonna think? And Mary was like, yeah, let it be done, Lord. Just like the faith that they had. Do you think that Mary and Joseph had questions? Like, how is this gonna work? (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, do you think they understood everything? No, there's no way that they understood everything that was going to come, everything that was included in, in this whole thing. But despite not having all the information, despite the uncertainty of the situation, they acted in obedience. They obeyed not out of fear, out of faith. They obeyed out of faith, not fear. And I mean, we see this all throughout Scripture, don't we? All throughout the Bible, we see obedience despite uncertainty. And I mean, just a few examples, like Gideon, he's got to fight a big army, and he's collected all the Israelites who are going to go fight that big army. And God's like, yeah, cut your army in half. That's how we're going to fight them. Wait, 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 cut them in half again. Okay. Okay. And he does. (laughs) He acted in faith. What about Joshua telling the whole nation, yeah, you're going to take this city and you're just going to walk in circles. It's like, really? I would probably have a few questions about that. You know? But he said they obeyed. Despite the uncertainty. I mean, we see Abraham, crazy amount of faith when he just believes God that, you know, this old guy with no kids is going (laughs) to have offspring as numerous as the stars. He believes God. But then when God does bless him with the son, what does God ask him to do? Hey, you know that one son, <laughs> the one that was <laughs> a promise that you're going to have a lot of offspring? Yeah, I want you to sacrifice him to me. Abraham didn't know that God was going to provide a ram. He didn't know that it was a test of his faith, and he obeyed. Over and over we see it. I mean, even look at Jesus' ministry. I mean, I love the story of the 10 lepers that you see in Luke chapter 17. So there's these 10 lepers, they come up, Jesus, and Jesus is with his crew, and the 10 lepers are over here with their crew, and they're yelling across at Jesus because you know, they're unclean, they can't, they can't get close to people, so this is just their lifestyle. So they're yelling at him, they're like, hey, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And what does Jesus tell them to do? Hey, go show yourselves to the priests. I mean, if I was one of those 10 lepers, I would be like, hey, can, can you heal us? Like you did for our buddy Joe that we know? Like now? Maybe? But Jesus doesn't give them any promise of healing. He just says, hey, go show yourselves to the priests. I mean, like, hey, we have shown ourselves to the priests. They're the ones who diagnosed us. That was what they did back then. But yet what we see is that they're like, okay, we'll do it. And they start going. And it says, as they went, on their way, they were healed. As they acted in obedience, they were healed. Obedience is key in our lives as we follow Jesus. I mean, this is what he said in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. We know these verses, we hear these verses all the time because it's like Jesus is just about to leave this earth and he's like, hey, one thing before I go, important thing that you should remember. And this is what he says. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And often we stop there. But it goes on, it says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. teaching them to obey. Obedience is key. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, it says this, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the, ra- than the fat of rams. obedience is the acting out of our faith that's what it is when we have faith when we believe in god when we obey that's that's stepping out that's stepping out and you know that like to disobey is actually very serious to to disobey is rebellion I mean, that's a a pretty strong word, but if you have kids that don't listen to you and never do what you say, you have rebellious kids. Not me, my kids do everything I say all the time, right away. (laughs) I have great kids, but they're kids. Disobedience is rebellion, because we're saying, no God, (laughs) we're not gonna do what you've asked, we're gonna do what we want to do things our own way. And there's consequences to this. There's consequences to disobedience. I mean, prime example of that is King Saul. He disobeyed, and what did God say? He's like, hey, I'm taking the throne away from you, and I'm removing my spirit from you. It even goes on to say that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Because if you're not serving God, you are in opposition to him. So disobedience has consequences, and I think in our lives, the biggest consequence to disobedience to God is is distance. It distances us from God. But when you obey, you you walk in fellowship and closeness with him because you're exercising that faith. When when we obey what God has asked us to do, we're submitting ourselves unto his rule. We're humbling ourselves and saying, hey, I'm I'm not in charge here, you are. I submit my ways unto you. We we give up to him the control of our lives when we obey, when we submit unto his word. There's a old song that I learned as a kid um, from Patch the Pirate. I don't think anybody knows. Anybody knows Patch the Pirate? Nobody in first service said It's okay. I was a pastor's kid. It was, it was crazy. Anyways, great little, little song and it's obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. I mean, I've had that line from that song. I don't even know the rest of the song. Just that line stuck in my head for over 30 years. <laughs> Thanks mom and dad. But seriously, obedience is the best way to show that you believe. It is acting out of our faith despite the uncertainty, or what may come. We don't know. So this is my question to you. What is God asking of you? What is God asking of you? I mean, there's some things that God asks of all of us. Like, collectively, we are to confess and repent from our sin. We're to love God and we're to love others. That is, that is across all of us. We have the same command there. That is what God wants us to do there. But what is God asking you specifically? Because there are things that God asks individual, certain people to do that would be different maybe than someone else. I mean, a perfect example is not all of us are asked to pick up our whole family and move to another country to be a witness as we've had a few in our midst do recently. God's not asking that of everyone, but what is he asking of you? It might be scary. It might, you know, cause you to be uncertain of how it will turn out. You might think people are going to start thinking things or saying things, but that's all fear, not faith. This This is what gives fuel to my faith. And I hope we're gonna do the same for you. To, to give us that extra oomph to actually take that step to obey and to walk in obedience to God. It's this. As you think about who God is and how he views you and what he wants for your life. Because who is God? Do you know that he loves you deeply and (laughs) desperately, you could say? So much so that he would give his own son to die a horrible death for you. That's how much he cares about you. He wants the best for your life. He wants all the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He wants that to well up from within you. This is what he wants to see in your life. So when he asks us to do something, to step out in obedience, in faith, it is for our good. (laughs) It is for our best. So I think about that whenever, whenever I'm like, oh, I gotta think about who God is who I know he has been to me, how faithful he has been to me and my family. What I've seen him do, we remember. And that brings fuel to the faith. So, as those who follow the Lord, we obey what he asks, not out of fear, but out of faith trusting that we serve an exceedingly good and perfect loving Father who wants the best for you and the glory of His Son, Jesus. So just maybe, just maybe what He's asking you to do is for your good. Let's pray. God, we praise you for your loving kindness poured out over us. God, that you would care so much that you would send your son to this earth as as a baby. That you would give him up. God, we praise you for that. God, and I ask for your courage, your boldness, your faith to just pour out over everyone gathered. To empower us to step out in faith. To step out trusting in you. Doing what you've asked. Ah, Lord, we love you. And we thank you. And we pray all these things to the glory and honor of Jesus Christ, amen. If you wanna pray with someone or for someone or whatever, we invite you, please come down to the front. We have people that would love to pray with you or for you and encourage you um, in that. I mean, pray with each other in in your pews as well. Um, But thanks for coming and if everyone would stand for the benediction this morning, that would be great. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do far more than you could ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go in the blessing of God.